Hi, this is Billy Briscoe from the Briscoe Group, a minority-owned firm founded right here in Houston. Stuck in a business dispute, injured at work, a bad auto accident. We're standing by day and night ready to fight for you. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Schedule a free consultation at thebriscoelawfirm.com. Call us at 713-752-2600. Put the law on your side with Houston's top legal team. Because every client matters. This psalm, like its companions in the Egyptian Hillel, traditionally this psalm, Psalm 115, 13 through Psalm 18, all of these Hillel psalms were sung at the feast of Passover. A cursory reading of Psalm 115 contrasts the sin of idolatry with the worship of the true and the living God. This psalm, Psalm 115, was written in the days of King Jehoshaphat to get the, the impetus, to get the force of this psalm. You have to read 2 Chronicles at chapter 20 when Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel were being besieged by the Moabites and the Ammonites. The armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites came to plunder the children of Israel under the reign of King Jehoshaphat and there were more in the armies of the Moabs and uh, those of the Ammons that came against the children of Israel so much so that they were overwhelmed with terror. King Jehoshaphat called the people to a fast and they went before God and prayed. God sent word to King Jehoshaphat that he's going to win this battle but they're not going to raise a hand. He tells Jehoshaphat to tell the people to assemble a choir and let the choir march in front of the soldiers. And when they come to the battlefield, nobody raise a hand. Just start singing praises to God. Stand back and watch God fight your battle. Because the scripture goes on to say, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. They get to the battlefield and the choir starts singing. All of a sudden, the Ammonites and the Moabites are ambushed from people who come from everywhere kill them, plunder them. The children of Israel take their riches, go back with King Jehoshaphat, and God has gotten him the victory, and the people have never raised a hand. And so the writer of this psalm says, the glory is not to us. 
but it belongs to the Lord. And somebody ought to help me testify this morning. You are where you are because of the goodness of Almighty God. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Where are you in life that God hasn't taken you? What do you know that God hasn't taught you? So if everything has come from God, then you have a right and a reason to give God glory. But it is not long before God triumphs gloriously that his people forget. He's delivered them and it's not long before they forget. It was a momentous victory but soon they forgot. It is not at all uncommon that sometimes depression follows elation. Low mood chases away the satisfaction of a momentous event. Rebecca DeYoung in her book, Vain Glory, writes of people so starved for unconditional love that they check their like versus dislike counts on Facebook for an ego boost several times a day. Four minutes will not pass after they make a post to check and see if somebody likes it on Facebook. I've tried to tell you over and over, get off Facebook and, and get your face in a book and learn how to like yourself. That's, that's not the sermon. I, I, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. I just thought I'd give you that for free. You don't have to pay me for that. I'm just throwing that out there. The theological engagement with entertainment and looking for likes is idolatry and a grasping for security in something or someone other than the living God. Beloved, where you place your trust, what you cling to for security, seen or unseen, that thing is your God. If you can't stop looking at yourself in the mirror, you are your God. If you get up in the middle of the night and go in the garage and make sure your car is still smelling new, that car has become your God. If all you can talk about is what you have and what you own and what you drive and who you know and where you've been and you post all your vacation and you post yourself in all of these poses and then you don't like that picture, you change it and crop it and feather it and smooth it out because you want an ideal image of you that is not really you. Listen, if folk don't like you for you, I wish I had somebody who had confidence this morning. Because the folk who gonna love you gonna love you regardless. 
and the folk who don't love you didn't love you to start with so you ain't gonna miss what you never had um, enthusiasm from the victory at the Red Sea and God's deliverance at the Jordan soon died away their great expectations came to almost nothing they like many of us try to spin cycle self-affirmation to reverse our unbelief only to end up with a ruinous self-directed glory snatching grab for a way to relieve the doldrums of our empty existence. At the root of it all is a failure to trust in the Lord. And when you don't trust in the Lord, simultaneously you fail to give God glory. But in verses 1, 2, and 3 of Psalm 115, the psalmist is teaching us appreciation. Uh, it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever pleases him. The psalm is precise about the object of our glory. To your name. Give glory. The Lord, brothers and sisters, must have glory on his terms. He is who he is, and who he is is in his name. You remember when Moses went before Pharaoh and told Pharaoh that I am said to let my people go. And Pharaoh said to Moses, who is this God that I should let your people go? I'm not going to let your people go anywhere. And nine times God showed Pharaoh who he was. And then the tenth time God really showed Pharaoh who he was. Because when God's name is mentioned, it brings up his wisdom. It brings up his power. It brings up his strength. And if you don't know who God is, God can show you who God is. The redemption of Israel and the redemption of every blood-bought believer this morning is forever associated with the name of the Lord. The hymnologist caught this thought better than I ever could. He, he says it more richly than I ever could. He says, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So he loved the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life, our redemption, to win and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. 
An atheist by the name of Robert Ingersoll went to a church one day where Dr. Joseph Parker was preaching. And Robert Ingersoll, not being a believer, being an atheist, stood in the middle of that congregation, in the middle of Dr. Parker's sermon, and took out his watch and says, I don't believe that there is a God. I will stand here with my watch and give God 10 minutes to kill me. The 10 minutes passed and nothing happened. And Dr. Joseph Parker said to the atheist Robert Ingersoll, do you think that you can intimidate the eternal God in 10 minutes? God is patient. God is slow to get angry. Somebody ought to help me here. I think the reason we are in here this morning is because God is patient. God is slow to get angry. Many of us, most of us, all of us did enough just last week that if the record would be read out, God would blot our names out of the book of life. But God is so patient with us. God loves us so. And when God saves us, he never repents. Uh, brothers and sisters, not only is there appreciation in verses 1 through verse 3, but in verses 4 through 8 is appraisal. Um, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but don't speak, eyes but don't see, ears but don't hear, noses but don't smell, hands but don't feel, feet but don't walk. They make no sound in their throats. And those who make them are like them. Before you really learn how to praise, you've got to first make an appraisal. What is God worth to you? What is God's blessings worth to you? And when you make an appraisal of where God has brought you from and where you are now as opposed to where you used to be, what you're doing now as opposed to what you used to do, when you make an honest appraisal, you have to make God really know that you are grateful because you start praising. When you pause to think, you have cause to thank. Can I say that one more time? When you pause to think, you have cause to thank. Look at what kind of gods they made. They had mouths, eyes, ears, noses, hands, feet, throats, but they were blind, Deaf, senseless, helpless, immobile, and silent. When you read the book of Isaiah, um, God has overthrown the Babylonians. And uh, when God overthrows them, they pick up their gods that they made with their hands 
and put their gods on wagons and they are rolling their gods out of the city and the wagons begin to stumble and their gods fall and they pick up their gods and put their gods back on the wagons. And Isaiah said, do you see those people? When you go shopping for a God, look for a God that you don't have to carry, but a God that can carry you. And I want to tell somebody in here this morning, if you're looking for a God, if you're in the market for a God, if you're shopping for a God, look for a God that you don't have to carry, but a God that can carry you. The worship of idols is a form of insanity. Michelangelo's Pieta, which depicts the body of Jesus on the lap of his mother Mary, is carved in Carrera marble and it now rests in St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. It is the only piece that Michelangelo hand signed. But the mistake Michelangelo made was that he kept coming back to pray in front of a marble statue. He bowed to it. He gave reverence to it. He made a carved piece of stone an idol. But brothers and sisters, hear me. Idolatry is not just the worship of false gods. It's worshiping the true God falsely. To truly worship, you got to stop for a minute and make an appraisal. Your bed you slept in last night, God provided. The food you're going to eat when you leave here, God provided. The car you need to drive yourself home, God provided. The job you have in the morning to take care of yourself and your family, God provided. Moving your hands around, God provided. Seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, everything you have, God provided. How can you sit in the presence of a God who provides everything and act like you made it by yourself? Let everything, I wish I had some noise here. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Um. Verses 9 through 11 is an appeal. Verses 9 through 11 is an appeal. There's been appreciation and appraisal. Verses 9 through 11, the psalmist makes an appeal. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. It's a call 
and response. Uh, what, what Evans Crawford, um, the deceased dean of Rankin Chapel uh, on the campus of Howard University, Evans Crawford called this call and response. He died a few years ago at the age of 96, dean of the chapel at Howard University. He called this call and response homiletical musicality. Homiletical musicality. I like saying that. It makes me sound smart when I say that. Homiletical musicality. That, that means I say something, you say something. That's the call and response of gospel preaching. That doesn't happen anywhere but at the Black Baptist Church. Some of y'all quiet and haven't opened your mouth since you've been in worship. But if God's been good to you, if I say something, you say something. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Don't worry about the folk in front of you or behind you. When I say something, you say something. It's a call and response. Here's how they used to do it in the old black church. Have you got good religion? Certainly, Lord. Have you been baptized? Certainly, Lord. Is your name on the road? Certainly, Lord. They called it in my church growing up the Amen Corner. I wish I had two or three more folk who was raised like I was raised. That, that was a little corner in our church where when our pastor was preaching, all he had to do was look over there and they had to bring Miss Ella Darby home because she couldn't stand it. Miss Annie Cross would start shouting and a wig would fall off sometime because when they start thinking about how good God had been, how many doors God had opened, and they lived in the projects, many of them. They didn't have a car to drive. They didn't have decent clothes but on Sunday morning. But here we are this morning with more food than we know what to do with, more money than we will ever spend. How can you sit down and act like you don't know who it was that kept you? When I say something, let me go a step further. If I can't say a word, I wish I had one or two more witnesses. If I lose my voice, if I'm in a wheelchair and I can't stand up and praise him, I'm going to roll around and praise him. If I'm in the bed and can't turn myself over, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not even suffer for my foot to be moved. Behold, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. 
Hey. The Lord is a shade upon my right hand. The sun will not smite me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. He'll preserve my going out and my coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh! Oh! That's, that's church talk. Oh! Magnify the Lord with me. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God and it is he that have made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving enter into his courts with praise be, be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Here it is, in the time of trouble. Hey, in the time of trouble. Anybody here ever been in trouble? In the time of trouble. He shall hide me. I know you're trying to get me, but he's hiding me. I know my enemies have been shooting at me, but God is hiding me. I know my name has been on every sign and post, but God is hiding me. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. I've been young, now I'm old, and I've seen a whole lot of things, but it's one of two things I've never seen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Not only will God take care of you, he'll take care of your children. 
He'll take care of your grandchildren. He'll take care of your great-grandchildren. Yes, he will. Yeah. I'm trying to hurry and get to my illustration. I'm almost through. But verses 12 through verse 15 is about application. I've made my appeal. Let me make an application. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Blessing springs from divine mindfulness. The Lord has remembered us. Other people will forget you. God will remember. And whether I can sing this psalm depends on where I find my security and where I place my trust. Will I be silent while other folk are praising? It depends on my appraisal of who God is. Some of y'all got this testimony, like I do. Sometimes I just start singing and preaching until other people notice that either he's saved or he's a lunatic. Pastor T.R. Williams and Pastor Ralph West and I, uh, Pastor Harvey Clemens, we went to, to Pebble Beach before the pandemic, some years before the pandemic, and, and I just, I, I can't help myself because when I woke up in that place and, and, and got on the course and, 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 and remembered when my car wouldn't back up, And, and, and when I had an antenna on my little, my, little, my little black and white TV. And then when that didn't work, I would get some foil paper and put it on the top so I could at least see channel three. And that little shotgun house I was raised in that you look in the front door and see all the way through the back. And my little church clothes I had to take off because I couldn't wear them all the week long. And I thought about it. I just go in my closet and have to decide what to wear. I have to decide what pair of shoes to put on. I have to decide what car I'm going to drive. I have to decide where I'm going to eat tomorrow or this afternoon. That was a time when I couldn't do that because I didn't have it. But God has brought me from a mighty long way. And when I got in that $1,500 a night lodge at Pebble Beach, 
paying $500 around to play golf and I start thinking about how good God had been to me. There were hundreds of people on the golf course. I just stood there in the middle of number six and said, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadow and the people around stop playing golf? And T.R. said, don't pay him no mind. He's just glad to be on this golf course. He's just thankful of how good God has been to him. And brothers and sisters, sometime riding in a car, somebody might be looking at me while I'm driving and I stop at the traffic light and they think I'm a lunatic. I just start preaching, singing and praying thanking God for the sins he forgave for the stuff he got me out of for the hills he brought me over for the storms he brought me through if that doesn't excite you speak for yourself I'm running out of time I'm running out of time but the last thing I want to talk about is verses 16 through 18. And that's applause that goes on in heaven. You want to know what they're doing in heaven right now? You, you want to know what my mama's doing in heaven right now? What my daddy and my grandmother is doing in heaven right now is giving God applause. Telling God, thank you. But they can't say hallelujah until I get there. Let me see if I can make that make sense. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to human beings. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time on and forevermore. Praise the Lord. The psalm has been rising from one crescendo to another. It ends with a ringing, reverent round of uninhibited applause. The longest for the congregation of the Hallel has become a great multitude in heaven, called to worship from the psalm. The fringe crowd has become the inner crowd. Brothers and sisters, hear me. The last time hallelujah will be said is in Psalm 150. From Psalm 1 to Psalm 150 is the hallelujah chorus. It will not pick up again after Psalm 150. Isaiah doesn't say hallelujah. Ezekiel does not say hallelujah. Zephaniah does not say hallelujah. Micah does not say hallelujah. Habakkuk does not say Malachi does not say hallelujah. Hallelujah is not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Hallelujah is not even in the book of Acts. 
It's not in Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, or Ephesians. It's not in Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, or Philemon. It's not in Hebrews, it's not in James, it's not in 1st and 2nd Peter, it's not in 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, nor in the book of Jude. It's not in Revelation chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. You got to wait till you get to Revelation 19 to hear hallelujah pick up again. The last time it was said was in Psalm 150. The next time it will be said is in Revelation 19 and verse number 5. Can I read it to you? It says, after this, I heard. In chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 of Revelation, John says, I saw. But in chapter 19, he said, I heard. Somebody gonna help me close here. He said, I saw a sea of glass mingled with fire. And, and I saw four and 20 elders seated on their thrones. He said, I saw a river pure as crystal fronting forth from the throne of God. He said, I saw a ram with seven eyes and seven horns. He said, I saw a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. He said, I saw a man who had a book in his hand and written within and without. That book was sealed with seven seals. And he said, I saw a lamb go up to that man and take the book out of his hand and open the book and read thereon. That's what he said. He said, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw, and it was like, and it looked like, and it was like. He said, I saw Jesus, and his hair looked like lamb's wool. His eyes looked like flames of fire. His legs looked like marbled stone and his feet looked like polished brass as though they had burned in a fiery furnace. That's all he could say about what he saw. But when we get down to Revelation chapter 19, he stops talking about what he saw and he starts talking about what I heard. He said, I heard a sound that sounded like rushing waters. And I looked around and I heard where that noise was coming from. There were four beastly creatures. One of them looked like he had the face of a man. One had the face of an ox. One had the face of a lion. And one had the face of an eagle and they were making a whole lot of noise but then he said i heard another noise 
there were four and twenty elders from the tribes of Israel and they were making a whole lot of noise and then he said the noise got a little louder because there were 144,000 12,000 from every tribe in Israel and then the noise got a little louder and John said I looked around to see where that noise was coming from he said they started coming from the north and the south from the east and the west and they had on white robes and they had crowns on their heads and they had reeds in their hands and they started singing a song that I had never heard before and here is how the song went this is the next time you will hear hallelujah hallelujah blessings and glory wisdom and power God has gotten the victory over the beasts and over the number of his name here it is hallelujah the Lord God omnipotent reigneth they came from everywhere from under the throne of God they had been redeemed and John said that was a number no man could number is there anybody here want to be in that number I told you I had one more illustration for you let me go back to that run flat tire I didn't forget about what I was going to tell you I talked to a member here at Lily Grove yesterday who had a run flat tire on that car trying to make it all the way to Sam's to get the tire repaired had to travel a while on the feeder and then travel a while on the interstate she said cars were passing her by but she knew that she had just a little air left to make it to Sam's and there was a man following behind her and the man kept following and she kept on waving him to come around but the man kept on following her the man stayed right behind her and she made a sign for the man to go around but he started blinking his lights on and off and when she finally realized he wanted her to stop she stopped her car and the man said ma'am you have a flat tire you're gonna ruin your axle let me change the flat for you he got down on his hands and knees in the cold weather early yesterday morning changed her flat she was so grateful to him that she said what is your name I want to send you a thank you I want to do something for you for what you did for me the man gave her his name his name was David Bender general manager and operating partner of the dealership where the car came from he is the general manager and the operating partner of the kind of car she was driving and when she told me that story I said thank you Jesus 
I got a close for my little sermon this morning. When you get in your car, look in the passenger side mirror, and there's a little writing in the passenger side mirror. It says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. She was trying to tell the man to go ahead and God had sent help right where she was. Sometimes we send in help to go ahead and God sends help right where we are. She was being followed by the operating partner and the general manager of a car dealership. But I'm being followed by the general manager and the operating partner of the universe. God himself. Surely, 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 goodness and mercy, not an operating partner, not a general manager, but goodness and mercy is just following me. Is there anybody here? No, you got goodness on one hand and mercy on the other hand. It's not just following you, it's chasing you. It's chasing you. It's running after you. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know you have it? I said, do you know you have it? Why don't you tell somebody, surely goodness and mercy. Come on, tell somebody else. Surely goodness and mercy. shall follow me all the days of my life and when it's all over I will I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever I know he's alright Since all we're going to do in heaven is praise, I think all we ought to do on earth is give God praise.